If you're enjoying Founding Fufu, every yam and cassava counts. Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Let's work together in building a creative digital audio platform that shares experiences across the globe. Click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Pounding Fufu, the podcast. I'm Danica Samuel, your host, creator, and storyteller. I'm a firm believer that everything in life happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason isn't for you, but for another person. In this chapter of Pounding Fufu, I head back to grade six. A new teacher arrives and changes our lives forever. Yo, we got the best teacher, a black guy? We're gonna pass everything. Getting to the window seat of room 211 was proof that when you pour your heart into everything you do, you could watch every aspect of your life flourish. Chapter two. Grade six felt like one step closer to earning the privilege of leaving school grounds for lunch. From behind the schoolyard fences, we would watch the seventh graders of Samuel Hearn eating candy and pizza slices from the local convenience stores. It was inspiration for a 12-year-old. Whatever we observed from the older kids across the fence, we practiced. As seniors of the school, we no longer experienced the playground the same. Many of us had responsibilities like band, choir, book clubs, and more. We were the new leaders investing in our future selves. But the prestige I felt being in grade six came from the pride and luxury I had of being a student of Mr. Langevin, the class that every student wanted to be in. Mr. Langevin was a tall, muscular man with a deep voice that echoed the hallways of Oak Ridge Junior Public School. He was a newly transferred teacher from Samuel Hearn, the middle school that felt like one step closer to adulthood, with an outdoor basketball court. I personally heard about Mr. Langevin from my older sister, who went to Hearn. Alongside him and another teacher, Mr. Parker, they were impressionable and made a massive impact on the students around them. She would ramble on about the teacher relationship bonds and how different it was in middle school. Very soon later, a classroom of 30-odd students in Oak Ridge was going to get the fresh rich experience of a Hearn teacher. We got new teachers all the time. We hardly cared, or at least I didn't. But what made Mr. Langevin's entrance significant was his blackness. He was a black male teacher, strutting the halls with the same spirit we see from our fathers, uncles, and brothers. But he was in a school setting, holding a position of power as an educator. To my adolescent brain, Mr. Langevin was a unicorn. Before his time, the other unicorn at school was Miss Dixon, a sharp, polished, dark-skinned woman with silk press perm that wore a dark rouge pantsuit with gold buckles. Her bone structure was defined like Grace Jones, and with one of her special greetings, she would chair up your entire day. I remember Miss Dixon would carry a gold bell with a wooden handle in her hand and ring it with emphasis and strength at the 15-minute mark for recess. She wasn't a teacher, she was a principal, but I wished I could sit in her class and have her boss-like energy transfer onto me. 
Representation matters. On the first day of grade six, my family had already prayed that I would be in Ms. Langevin's class. When we received a letter with my room number and T. Langevin written in Times New Roman font below, we rejoiced. The three minute walk to school was filled with a pep in my step, but also butterflies. What on earth will my new black teacher be like? For a preteen, Ms. Langevin was the epitome of cool. Standing over six foot tall with his blingy LA Lakers watch to match his Kobe Bryant jersey, you could tell he wasn't the average teacher that wore plaid shirts and khakis with Velcro sandals. His confidence exuded across a room filled with students. It's also what allowed him to withstand students that derisively came for his shiny bald head. He had a witty comeback to all our remarks, which interestingly taught us how to refute when we were picked on. At the end of the school year, we were also telling our peers, Go wash your mouth. His aplomb demeanor gave off a synergetic big brother presence, especially amongst black students. On my way home from school on the third day of grade six, my best friends at the time, Abel and Henny, were talking about our classes and teachers. The convo sort of went like this. Yo, we got the best teacher, a black guy? We're gonna pass everything. Abel and I had Mr. Langevin as a teacher. Hanny didn't. But he was determined to never miss out on the black teacher experience. For the record, Mr. Langevin didn't pass us because we were black. He pushed everyone in the class to be their absolute best and to explore their full potential. Not in the standard way that included encouraging report card comments or stickers on homework. He spoke to us like we were all Olympians preparing for a big day. It was his auspicious energy that fueled a passion within us. You couldn't find that in many TDSB teachers. The mornings usually started with a hand clap that followed with okay, a hearty. Okay, okay, good morning, everyone. Throughout our work periods, he would pace around our desks, nod his head in observation, and sometimes hang his lower lip out in amusement or intrigue. He had so much charisma that was reminiscent of my Caribbean household. There were times when we saw a different side to Mr. Langevin, like when we completely disrespected a supply teacher. He wouldn't greet the classroom the same. It was so much like your parents telling you they were disappointed in you. One of the most horrific things to hear as a comprehending child. His disappointment cut deep that we never wanted to see our hero, our mentor, our teacher look at us like that again. So, for the most part, our class was incredibly well-behaved. Before Mr. Langevin, many of my teachers were copacetic. There wasn't much of a bond between them and the students. And it remained the same after. Teachers that followed could not live up to his standards. He did not set the bar. He was the bar. If you're enjoying Founding Fufu, every yam and cassava counts. Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Let's work together in building a creative digital audio platform that shares experiences across the globe. Click the link in the show description to support now. In October of 2003, Mr. Langevin arranged our class from the highest grade point average to the lowest. It was serious business. High graders sat near the window and the others trickled down towards the entrance of the classroom. This was pretty intense for our age, I must admit, but it motivated all of us. As an athlete, this bold approach excited me. 
It created a sense of competition amongst my peers, but most importantly, within me. Starting out at the third group table, I was determined to climb my way to the top and stay there. I fluctuated here and there, but for the most part, I remained at table one, proud of my high grades. All of us worked extremely hard to get a seat at the front window table. This process was synonymous to precisely how we navigate life to this very day. I knew that all my hard work went towards my position in the classroom, so I made every single effort count. Every quiz, assignment, and test, I was prepped. I knew if I failed to prepare, I should prepare to fail. In Mr. Langevin's class, we learned parts of our subjects in grades eight and nine standards. As a sixth grader, this gave us a different level of pride. The students across the field with basketball hoops and poutine lunches started to look more like a reality for us. We were ahead of the game. Our chest was high because our knowledge was increased without limitation of our age or size. Mr. Langevin didn't believe in restrictions such as too hard, can't, or impossible. When subjects became difficult, his words of encouragement were full of energy that you knew you had to push through. He was determined to make sure we never gave up and used his Caribbean tough love so that it would never happen. When it came to math, he would use a chalkboard to bring all elements to life. Okay, can I say that it takes a special type of person in the entire galaxy to make me enjoy math to this very day? This is why I mentioned that he would push us to our full potential. Even Mr. Langevin came very close with using his animated circles, bald smiley faces, and unique characterization of math elements. But it was the probability questions that kept dropping my position in the classroom to the third and fourth tables. Here's an example of why. If Johnny buys three bags of apples with 24 apples in each bag, the total cost of the three bags is $12.24. He sells the apples for 75 each. How much money does he get? My answer would have been something along the lines of, Johnny needs to sell the apples in bulk. Yeah, I wasn't good. I told you. But with Mr. Langevin's hearty laughs, we got to the correct answers together. That word, together, is what we all witnessed. The troublemakers from impoverished neighborhoods that didn't have positive guidance felt like someone was in their corner. He dispelled the notion of not doing homework to appear rebellious or cool. Because cool was a lot more inclusive than we thought. I watched students cry when Mr. Langevin pushed them to conquer their fears. After class and during class, we were not alone in whatever we were struggling with. Sitting at the front of the class in the window with a view that anchored above the school grounds was motivation. We could gaze over Oak Ridge's field and observe the middle school students, the other side and our future education. When we looked down at the desk in front of us, we saw the hard work we had to do to get to that other side. It was foreshadowing at its finest. Moving into one of those seats was something a few students believed they were incapable of. And sometimes others thought their peers were inadequate. But those thoughts of judgment were quickly silenced when the troublemakers and the struggling students all got their time to sit at the front table. It wasn't Mr. Langevin trying to be fair either. The way he taught encouraged students to transfer from a place of, it's too hard, to, I could do this. And with that, everyone earned their seat. 
The smiles on the faces of my peers that sat next to the window at the front of the classroom are something I will never forget. It was a grin that radiated from being capable. Students with other teachers begged to switch classes just so they could be with Mr. Langevin. Remember Hanny? Halfway through the school year, he and the other kids he influenced in his class willfully stayed back after school to learn and spend time with Mr. Langevin. If it was possible to skip class in elementary school, a lot of kids would skip and join room 211. Because room 211 made strong memories. No one in grade six wanted to miss out. I remember a lot of memories of Mr. Langevin. Our banter about basketball teams, his Guyanese heritage, and shared traditions passed down within black households. I want to bring attention to something here. Mr. Langevin spoke to me like a human being with respect, not like a subordinate. There were boundaries, of course, but the connection was never dismissed because of my age. He never failed to acknowledge when I, or any other student, would teach him something new. Additionally, he would highlight his new learnings in class, actively showing us that adults could be corrected too. Between Mr. Langevin and me, our most memorable moment was when my team, Indiana Pacers, had lost to the Lakers. 97-94, a three-point game. A particular sort of heartbreak, especially when you have to face your opposing friends the next day. Abel and Hanny were teasing me, and Mr. Langevin was ready to see my reaction. I held it together. I was quiet. When he came up to my desk with his hanging lip, ready for the banter, I looked up from my notepad and said, Every dog has its day. There was no comeback from that. It was a precocious sixth grader mic drop. We, the Indiana Pacers, never beat Lakers that season, but you get where I was coming from with the faith. And Mr. Langevin definitely laughed with my parents about it in a parent-teacher interview. Everyone in room 211's class of 2003-2004 will never forget our final project before graduation. Mr. Langevin created a beastly assignment that required us to design our own miniature model houses out of popsicle sticks and toothpicks. We were responsible for implementing our knowledge of math, English, geography, and science to develop a dream house for consumers. In the end, we presented our final homes in an open house in front of TDSB staff and parents. At 12 years old, I remember spending countless hours designing floor plans to scale and using mathematic formulas to measure, cut, and glue houses. We had teachers from other subjects read our home descriptions to make sure we were developing persuasive content. The work ethic that went behind that project is definitely one I will lecture my children on whenever they complain about school. The housing assignment brought out everyone's confidence it was a talk of the school. Teachers were all interested in seeing our final products, and in retrospect, I think this was a way for Mr. Langevin to make a lasting impression in his new work environment. After weeks of sacrificing my lunchtime to work on the assignment, no one could tell me that the house I built out of toothpicks and popsicle sticks wasn't a mansion. From outside the windows of room 211, I would hear the lunch bell ring and laughter of students skipping rope and running around but I was burning the midnight oil, or lunchtime oil, I should say. 
That project was so impactful because it wasn't just about creating a fancy house. It was Michel Angevin's way of inspiring us with the importance of building a foundation. As we carefully created a meaningful environment for our homes, it was a mirror into the future lifestyles we wanted for ourselves. If we could build that at 12 years old, we could create anything if we put our minds to it. This was a testimony wrapped in a school assignment. We were learning the importance of investing in ourselves with popsicle sticks and glue. Every measurement, written description, and furnished material was a layer into what transformed our houses into mansions. On open house night, I got dressed up in my church clothes for my presentation. This was proof that I was about business. I practiced my pitch in the mirror leading up to the big day. I was prepared to exceed, just like I had done all year long swinging my feet at the chair of table one near the windows. When I saw my parents walk through the library doors, the butterflies fluttered all in my stomach. They went around the room and admired the other students and left the best for last. In typical Samuel family tradition, they spiced up the experience by role-playing as my clients, so I gave them the pitch of a lifetime. Later, with finger food and drinks in their hand, I watched them speak in great length with Mr. Langevine. Okay, I'm not sure if it's just me, but seeing my parents talk to black teachers throughout my school years always made me feel proud, protected, and confident. I'm not sure what that feeling is, but those bonding moments were unforgettable to me. The next day, as we celebrated our incredible projects over pizza lunch, Everyone in our class was super excited to accomplish such a massive project. I think this was the first time we couldn't wait to receive a mark back from a teacher. In a tremendous form, Mr. Langevin showed us that when you pour your heart into everything you do, you could watch every aspect of your life flourish. We saw the fruits of our labor blossom through constructed popsicle sticks on display in the hallways of our elementary school. The impact of Mr. Langevin's mentorship and teachings has been everlasting. He taught us life lessons through subjects that we considered mundane. To this very day, there are life principles from grade six that are applicable in my everyday hustle. My desire to learn beyond curriculums will always be a part of my DNA because I am determined to swing my feet at the table of life that overlooks all my manifestations. Those that teach us skills and trades are important, but the teachers that beautifully orchestrate the fundamentals of life are the ones that last in our souls forever. Whenever I'm reminiscing about Mr. Langevin with my childhood classmates, they all have a specific moment with him that inculcated something inspiring. Whenever I tell someone new about Mr. Langevin, they all want to meet him. I know that wherever and whichever community he steps into, Everyone he teaches will come out, turning their popsicle sticks into mansions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pounding Fufu. I look forward to you joining me in figuring out this thing called life. You can listen via Spotify and Apple Podcasts or dive into the digital experience at poundingfufu.com. A special thanks to Jason and Amos, aka Jandre, for the beat at the beginning of this podcast and the one you're jamming to right now. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, life doesn't get better. You do.